welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Today's going to be a little bit of a watershed message, actually. Uh, it's just something that God's been really challenging me with lately, and as far as the direction of our church is going, I, I just... We can have a great church and we can have great messages and we can get together and have great fellowship, but without the, the glory and the power of God, I mean, you could get that at the RSA or the Rotary, you know, you honestly can. Um, but there is something that we have that the world has not got, and that's, that's the Holy Spirit and that's God and that's God's power. And I'm um, just really been challenging to actually, or super challenging as a pastor that loves things to be nice and clean and in boxes, to actually give God space. Um, to move in any, given, in, in any given service, because that's why we gather. We gather around um, the glory and the presence and the person of God. So that's what I'm going to be sharing about this morning, and it's sort of launching. Actually, Chris started it last, last week, but we're sort of launching in a series of messages all about this whole subject, about really hungering after God and not just um, talking about Him and not just doing what God wants to do, but actually really encountering God in our lives and being vessels in which God can encounter the people that desperately need an encounter. So um, are you keen to be on that journey with me as we, as we start? Um, like two people, that's great. Um, and I'm really excited because June the 5th is not only my 48th birthday, but June the 5th is also Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and that's like traditionally it's where we gather together as a church and we just really uh, pray and, and just encourage people to encounter God. So that's pretty much where these series of messages are going to um, culminate into. So I'm super excited. This morning's message is called Word, Deed, and Power, How to Fully Present the Good News. This is probably the first part in, in a couple of messages. And, and how do we actually really present the good news in this world that desperately needs to know the good news of Jesus? How can we do that? Does the Bible actually give any guidelines and principles how to fully present the, the good news, I think a reason why we're not seeing amazing things happening in our nation at this time is because we've become really good at partially presenting the good news, but maybe not very good at fully presenting the good news. That's a bit of a, a crazy thing to say, but you'll understand as I go along. So um, the Bible is so amazing. It's got so many incredible um, illustrations and examples to how to do this. So first of all, obviously, we look at Jesus. How did Jesus present the good news? In Matthew 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So you'll see this pattern right the way through. It's not just a message of proclaiming, it's also demonstrating um, the, the goodness of God. So how Jesus presented the good news, how did the disciples present the good news? In Mark 9, verse 1 onwards, one day Jesus called together His 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Again, we see this incredible connection, preaching the good news and demonstrating the goodness and the supernatural aspects of God as love. How are we told to present the good news? So um, 
in Mark 16, it's very clear. Jesus again is talking to His disciples. We are His disciples now. A couple of thousand years later, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. So straight away I read that and I'm always so deeply challenged because I would call myself a believer, but are signs and wonders following my life? And if Jesus says it, we know it must be true. So why is there a little bit of a disconnect there? We know that when Jesus was teaching and preaching in Nazareth, He said He could only heal a few people because of their unbelief. You know, if a few people got healed in our services, that would be revival today. But Jesus was probably a little bit disappointed in the people because He could only heal a few people. And it says because of their unbelief. And again, a message to myself. Because before I preach to anyone, I've got to be preaching to myself. Is there a reason why signs and wonders aren't following me as I believed? Do I have aspects of unbelief in my life? Have I allowed skepticism and, and, and that sort of stuff in my life too much than I should? It's worth considering. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. So they didn't just say, that's a great message, Jesus. Awesome, I'm really encouraged. They actually put that into practice. They went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. And I love that phrase, the Lord worked through them. So for those of you that are a little bit like me, it's easy to get discouraged about this and God, why? And then I got to ask myself, well, Simon, are you allowing God to move through you in everyday situations? Are you actually making that space when someone says, when I say to someone, hey, how's it going? They say, oh, I'm a little bit sick. It's like, oh, oh, well, you'll get over it. 10 days isolation, sweet as whatever. It's like, do we actually allow God the space and the opportunity to work through us? Because we have, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And this is how God's actually gonna reach the world through you and through me. And we've actually gotta start to make the space because God is so willing to move just like He was and just like He is all these years. Um, So how Paul presented the good news. Another example in Romans 15, 17. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. So what he said and how he lived. And then it says, um, the next verse, they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the Spirit of the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, which is close to Italy. So we see um, with Paul how he presented the good news, how he proclaimed the good news. There was three aspects to it. It's what he said, it was his words. It was how he lived, his actions, his behaviour, his deeds. And it was also by the power of God. Three aspects. And because of those three aspects, Paul was able to say, this is how I fully presented 
the good news. Now, we are really good at partially presenting the good news if you're anything like me. It's word and preaching and communicating and declaring and reasoning. It's like really good at that. But what about the other two, deed and power? There's gotta be three components in our lives as we are to fully present the good news. And this not just is for, it's not absolutely exclusive to pastors and leaders. It's for every single one of us that call ourselves believers in Jesus. Fully presenting the good news, word, deed, and power. And just reading from uh, the same passage of Scripture from the ESV from verse 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully uh, fulfilled sorry, the ministry of the gospel of Christ. According to the Apostle Paul's example in demonstrating, fully proclaiming or fully presenting the good news, it's word, deed, and power. Word, just say it with me. Word, deed, power. There are three aspects. And I'm just thinking if we as a church could actually grab a hold of this and not just be hungering and uh, excited and proclaiming it, but actually demonstrating it. What, what's, what could potentially happen to an amazing city of Whangarei if we are all understanding that this is how we fully proclaim the gospel, word, deed, and power. So let's just break those three aspects down. Word is communicating, teaching, preaching, proclaiming, discussing, explaining. And we are absolutely called to preach and proclaim the world. There was a um, a, a, a quote that people say, it's from Francis of Assisi, said, says, um, preach the word every day, but um, if necessary, use words. And it's, he didn't even say that. And if you're anything like some people, it's like, sweet, I don't actually have to say anything to anyone. I can just like live my life and that's sweet. Actually, it's not because we are called to, to preach and proclaim and present the good news in our words. So Luke 4 verse 43 Jesus replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So that was Jesus' purpose, and Jesus' purpose has become our purpose. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So speaking about God, when, when conversations come up, when opportunities arise, we are called to do that. That's part of, of presenting the good news. And that's really easy to do, especially if you work on a Monday and, and somewhere someone's gonna say, oh, how was your weekend? What did you get up to? Now, how many of us ever say, man, I went to church and it was so amazing and God moved and hey, can you, do you wanna come along with me tomorrow? I'll shout you a free, uh, next Sunday, I'll shout you a free coffee. See, there are, there are opportunities all the time when you go to the barbers, when, when everyone asks you, how are you going? There, there's opportunities to share the word and to present that aspect of the gospel all the time. Deeds, behavior, actions, lifestyle, showing, demonstrating God's love. And Matthew 5, verse 16, the second half of that, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise, not you, but your, your heavenly Father. So we understand it's not just about words now, although presenting the good news with our words is so uh, important. It's also how we live. It's, it's letting our good deeds do good deeds, first of all, and so that God will be glorified through that. And um, this is an interesting thing. I haven't got time to go into it, but words and what we believe, our, our our, our belief and our actions, they have, to, they have to match up. Because, you know, we can say something, but what, 
we believe is always gonna be confirmed or denied by our behaviour every time. And that's why I get a little bit peeved off by people who are rich and famous and they go and get an award, um, call it an Academy Award, for example. And um, you, know, you know that their life is actually not really good according to what God calls us or how God calls us to live. And then they give a speech and they're giving glory to God. And this is why I was you know, I'm called to be a vessel of God's love. And it's like, actually, does your belief in what you say match up with your lifestyle? Because Always our lifestyle will confirm what we believe. Always. In, in James 2 verse 14, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, this is verse 17, Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So we know that a part of the gospel is, is our words and what we say and how we interact and how we communicate, but it's also a must have this aspect of our behavior and our deeds and, and demonstrating what we believe, demonstrating the love of God. Then we come to the first, third one, which is power, which is signs and wonders miracles and supernatural. So again, going back to what I said at the start, signs will follow those that believe. We don't follow the signs, but they should be following us. The supernatural should be a natural part of our lives when you really think about it, which is exciting and challenging at the same time. Matthew 10, verse seven to eight, this is what Jesus said again. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I read an interesting statistic about the Gospels, which is, um, it's sort of, obviously we know it's about the life and times of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. 38.5% of the Gospels are devoted to describing healing miracles. Like over a third of the Gospels actually explain and spend time talking about the miraculous, the supernatural, over a third, which I find incredible. And then I'd love to dig a little bit deeper with that. I wonder if another third of the Gospels is taken up with, with what Jesus taught and another third of the Gospels was taken up by how Jesus lived. Uh, it would be really interesting uh, to see that, maybe if it works out a balance of uh, a third with each one. John 14, verse two, I tell you the truth, Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And again, those are one, that's one of the verses where you read that and, and if you're like analytical like me, it's like, well, that's, that's, a, that's a big call that we can actually do greater works than Jesus. And a lot of people explain this way as this, oh, of course, Simon, that's because there's more of us now. So um, it wasn't greater works, it was just like more works. But I'm thinking that's it's a little bit of a, you know, it's it's cheating when you start to manipulate verses to 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 back up your own situation and not just take them as, as how they were um, communicated and, and, and what do they say in black and white from the beginning. So I think that's that's where the struggle comes in from why when we read something, it doesn't match up with what we see in our own personal lives. 
So we, we're reading about all these miracles and we're hearing that, that verse about signs and wonders will follow them that believe, but we are actually not seeing it in our own lives. So then we start to sort of push it aside or think, well, that mustn't be for today. And, and we sort of explain it away. And um, it's not good to do that. In Matthew 11, verse two to six, it's very interesting. John the Baptist, who was in prison. So he's not having a good time. He's in prison. He's in jail. He's not seeing miracles where he is. Uh, so he's pretty disillusioned and discouraged, I imagine. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? So John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but because of disillusionment and disappointment in his lives, he just lost his faith a little bit. And then Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell them what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell them, God blesses those who do not turn away or, do, or are not offended because of me. I think, or I find myself, and I'm pretty sure it's indicative to a lot of us, we're so much like John the Baptist here. We read the incredible stories and we, and we hear testimonies of, of amazing miracles, but we're not seeing it in our own little sphere of our world. And when we start to get discouraged and we start to explain it away, but God is encouraging us, Simon, do you have any idea what I'm doing all around the world right now? The amount of signs and wonders and healings and miracles that are happening everywhere. It may not be happening where you are, but they are happening. Keep your, get your eyes off your situation and stop wallowing in your own unbelief and start to build your faith again in me. Because God is moving. He really, really is all over the world. And instead of sort of explaining it away, why don't we say, God, I know you're moving elsewhere, but I'm desperately hungry and I wanna see you move in my situation, in my world, in my town. Start praying for that and start Declaring that. In Acts 8, verse 9 and 11, there's another interesting story. A man named Simon, with an I, not a Y, had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. Verse 11, they listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. Obviously, he wasn't getting his supernatural power from God, so it's gotta be from the devil. But people were listening to him. He had a platform and he had an audience. If you ask most people out there about the supernatural, they will, they will naturally sort of think, well, that's what occultists do and that's what people that are into new age do. They will very rarely um, say, well, that's what Jesus does. That's what God does. But these people have a platform because people um, wake up and take notice of, of some sort of supernatural. And I think we have a responsibility to show the world that God is the king of the supernatural, not the devil. And we're ripping off God when you think about it. And again, we know that signs and wonders will follow those that believe God will move through us if we allow God the opportunity so when it comes down to it, is it simply that we're not giving God the room to move in our lives afresh? So 
which one of those do you emphasize? Is it word? Is it deed? Is it power? Because based on our personalities and based on um, how our experiences and definitely based on how we got saved, we will emphasize one of those aspects of the gospel um, depending on how, how we live. Uh, for example, I'm definitely, I love the word aspect of the gospel. I love the doctrine aspect of the gospel. Um, and, and I would maybe assume a lot of you guys are the same as well. So there is an upside to emphasizing the word aspect of the gospel. Very active in studying and discussing and sharing. You know, when the Bible says, come let us reason together, says the Lord. So there is a time for, for reasoning and communicating and discussing, but there is a downside as well, which is this, knowledge can be elevated above relationship with God. So the knowledge of God becomes more important than relationship with God, and you're just so excited about talking and explaining about the principles of God, but not necessarily so much about having a close relationship with God. And then there's a second one, which is deeds, our behavior and our actions. The, the upside of emphasizing that aspect of the gospel is you're, you're very active with acts of kindness and showing and demonstrating God's love to everyone, which is so needed. But the downside of that is social justice can be elevated above Jesus. Now, we are called to address the issues, but we're never called to gather around an issue. We're always called to gather around Jesus. I think we get into a little bit of unbalance when we, we start to gather around an issue. And man, we've had a lot of, a lot of opportunity in, in recent months to gather around an issue. Yes, let's address them, but let's always be gatherers around Jesus because Jesus is the answer. And then there's power, the supernatural. The upside of that is you're, you're faith-filled and you're active in demonstrating a supernatural life. But the downside of that is you can become prone to being experience-led and susceptible to theological error and deception sometimes. But we absolutely need all three. But like I'm saying, we tend to emphasise one, either word or deed and power, because of our personality experiences, how we came to Christ. So my testimony, I was grown up in a, a traditional church and I loved hearing the Word of God, especially Holy Spirit-filled preaching. I absolutely loved that. And although I had that, that Christian foundation, as we all go through, it's like, I need to understand this for myself. I need to go on my own journey. And for me, the only thing that made sense was Jesus. Uh, so I spent a lot of time reasoning and, and obviously God was moving on my heart. But for me, I, I got saved out of just knowing uh, that the Word of God is living and active and, and the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. And as you know me, I'm, you know, I still emphasize that in my life, but you may be different. You may be someone who, because you came to God, someone gave you, uh, showed you, demonstrated an act of love and kindness, and that really drew you to Christ. Others of you may have experienced the supernatural, and that was um, one of the, the defining factors that um, caused you to say yes to Jesus. So I'd love to actually have a show of hands right now, because I think this would be really fascinating. Um, word, deed, power. How do we actually get saved? Was it through the teaching uh, and, and preaching of, of the word, the gospel? Or was it someone showed you an act of love? Or was it an absolutely supernatural encounter? So if it's, if it's word, you got saved because someone told you about Jesus, put your hands up. Ooh, it's like about a third. Okay, put your hands down. If it was someone showing you an act of kindness, you really felt someone demonstrating the love of God and that was um, instrumental in you coming to God, put your hand up. 
That's interesting. A little less than a third, but there's still quite a big portion of you. What about the supernatural, having a supernatural encounter of God, and that's how you came to God? Isn't that amazing? It's almost a third. That's, that's really cool. I was hoping it was like that, actually. It's interesting, too, because I, I've heard people say that Renew Church is known as, like, that's a word church. And that's pretty cool. And, but, you know, other, other churches and, and maybe another church is very, very active in, you know, community works, which is amazing. They're known as, like, a community church. And other churches, like, well, they're known as, like, a supernatural sort of Holy Spirit church. And there can be a little bit of rivalry. We don't sort of understand each other, I don't think, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we are known as a word church, but it should never be at the expense of, of deeds and the power of God. So again, that's why I said at the start of this message, a bit of a watershed moment for our church. I want to be a church that, that teaches and preaches the gospel. I want to see that this church, Renew Church, um, and other renewed churches around are very active in demonstrating the love and the power and the kindness of God in our community. And I want to see renewed church as a church that demonstrates the power of God. Word, deed, and power. And that is the only way, according to Paul, that we will fully present the good news. That's actually a call and a mandate that I'm feeling really heavily for us as believers and as a church community. We must be a church community, a church whanau that demonstrates fully. We fully present the good news. We fully present the, the gospel. It's word, deed, and power. So where to from here? Can I have the band up? When you're not sure where to go, just call the band up. It's like... And we're going to sing Spirit of God in a little bit. And, and that's such an amazing song that Nina wrote. And I would love, we need to record that song actually because it's, it's, it's an incredibly anointed song. Um, it says, have your way in this place in my heart today. So we're going to sing that soon and, and really declare it over us and over this church. But just, um, this is going to be a, there's going to be a part two to this, but just really quickly, where to from here? Number one, be in an environment where your faith is stirred. So for me, it's really easy to, to be encouraged by good preaching and good teaching. It's like, this is amazing. But I won't be challenged with actually stepping out of my comfort zone in, in the areas of deed and power. And I really have to be. It's, it's so easy to play it safe. So that's my second point. Don't play it safe. Don't be content with just a partial gospel. Don't play it safe. Be willing to step out. Number three, which is my third point, be willing to step out of your gospel comfort zone, whether you just are very happy with you know, showing good deeds to people or whether you're very happy with you know, talking to people or you're very happy with saying, can I pray for you? Let's actually step out of our gospel emphasis comfort zone and let's mature in all three of those aspects. Number four, give God the opportunity to move in any given situation. There are opportunities all the time. And like we said, uh, we saw at the start, God worked through them. God wants to work through us. He wants to work through you. He, he's desperate. We're carrying God on the inside. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. He's just wanting an opportunity. And again, if it's as little as you know, you're talking to someone, they're saying, oh, I've got a bit of a snivel. It's like, can I pray for you? 
and just give God that space to, to show off and, and to, to show His glory. And you may be surprised what God will do. And lastly, pursue being Spirit-filled. And I, I know I say this all the time, I do believe that the encounter of being saturated by the Holy Spirit and being baptized, being waterlogged in Him, uh, that's really a launch pad into this whole new world of, of excitement and enthusiasm and power. That's available for every single one of us. I know some people, they, they get prayed for and it just happens straight away. Other people, it takes a long time. But just keep hungry, keep pursuing that because that's available to everyone. So just to finish up, Acts 17 verse 11, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And I love verse 12. As a result, many, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. So these people, they didn't just study and, and look to see what Paul was, was saying. If it was, they actually did something about it. And as a result, a whole lot of people got saved. So this is my challenge to us this morning. Let's just get into the Word of God. Let's get into the Gospels. Let's get into the book of Acts and just start reading them with, with a fresh eye and a fresh revelation when you know, thinking about word, deed, and power and just see if what I'm actually saying is true. And it is. It really is. Um, because I've just a whole, used a whole lot of Scriptures that show it is. And let's be those people that not get cynical and not try and explain it away, but say, God, this isn't my reality right now, but I know your word is true and I know you don't lie and I want you to do what you've done in the book of Acts in my life and in my church. So my prayer today, may we all fully present the gospel and not just partially present the gospel. May we be a church that we, that we love the Word of God. We love showing good deeds. We love demonstrating the love of God. And we make space for the Holy Spirit to move in a supernatural way. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.